Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Brandon Marcel of 24-7 Sports. So let's go ahead and go to the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry hotline and welcome him in. Brandon, as always, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon, man? Good, John. How are you, man? Well, I, I'm, we're doing good, and I know that you have been a pretty busy guy over the past uh, few weeks. You're always busy. It's college football. It's all the time, man. And you've been on top of uh, everything going on with uh, Arkansas specifically with the offensive coordinator change. We'll start with Kendall Bryles. Uh, you saw you said in your report on 24-7 Sports that this was something that kind of started being talked about or at least discussed and considered on Saturday. Now it looks like it's happening, but it hasn't been made official. Just kind of walk us through that process as to – what happened with Kendall Bryles and why he decided to make the move to TCU? Yeah, well, I think um, I'll try to shorten the story up here, but, you know, I, I, a lot of Arkansas fans know there was some flirtation there about his representation with Mississippi State just a couple of weeks ago, and that lasted for the better part of a week. And, you know, we told Stan Pittman, listen, I, I'm going to stay here, and they decided that's great. Um, we're going to work out a new contract for you, give you a raise. Um, let's get this thing going. And everybody saw Kendall Bryles, of course, went on Twitter and shared it. Ran it back with K.J. Jefferson. And then the TCU job came open. Um, late last week, the murmurs started happening with Garrett Riley going to Clemson. And um, immediately, Sonny Dykes at TCU thought, hey, I'm going to go get try and go to Kendall Bryles from the air raid tree, Texas guy. Know him very well. And that got out, and Kendall Bryles was entertaining it. And... Uh, Sam Pittman was sitting there kind of like, what's going on, man? I thought we were committed to coming back. I can't be doing this all the time with you back and forth. And so uh, my understanding from talking to some folks is that he wasn't even recruiting um, uh, Arkansas players. He was kind of pulled off uh, here this past weekend while he was weighing whether to go to TCU or not. And that almost not necessarily sealed Kendall Bryles' state, but probably gave him that little extra push he needed to just go to TCU and call it a career, call it a day at Arkansas. Uh, you can only play, I guess, with fire and flirt around too much until you kind of get burned or get caught and uh, get something that maybe you don't want. And, you know, you flirted with some job opportunities. And I think in the end, um, it was just time for both parties to move on. And I think here in the end, we're going to see that, you know, Kendall Bryles isn't necessarily getting a pay raise at TCU or anything like that. And, um, you know, he needed a fresh start, and I think both sides probably did. So in taking the same position as an offensive coordinator, you mentioned fresh start, but what else do you see as upside for Kendall Bryles taking the same position going from Arkansas to TCU? Well, for him, it's just fresh start and getting a fresh new contract and, and, uh, and a boss that he probably feel a little bit more comfortable around maybe until maybe he, he comes up for other jobs. But, you know, I don't know when you look at personnel how much different things will be for him at TCU compared to Arkansas, especially a quarterback. You know, they've got Chandler Morris coming back there, but, you know, he didn't play most of the season and, and was benched after the first game when he got injured and Max Duggan replaced him. You know, TCUS replaced just, I thought, maybe the best receiver in all of college football this year in Quentin Johnston. Uh, he's off to the NFL. Kendra Miller is off to the NFL as well after starting at running back. And a lot of missing pieces. But that offense, as we know, Kendall Brown is going to go down there and be able to implement it, put up some points. And 
I also think he'll probably get a little bit closer to his roots as far as what his system is with the air raid. They'll probably throw it a little bit more. They will try to be balanced, but I think that he'll he'll do a little bit more of the type of things that we kind of saw with the uh, the Baylor family tree, so to speak. Brandon, I want to also kind of go back to something you said about uh, Kendall Bryles, where it seemed like every single year there were not just one, but sometimes multiple times of job connections or flirtations ever since he's been at Arkansas. And, and you kind of mentioned it. Why is that? Was it just Jimmy Sexton doing Jimmy Sexton things, as people bring up? Was there actually a legitimate interest that he had, but he just never found the right job? Why do you feel like it was always happening with Kendall Bryles and being connected with other jobs? I think it can be both. I, the the idea that Jimmy Sexton is just like the ultimate boogeyman out there is is very much overblown. But having said that, as a coach, you it's also your job to tell your representation. I'm not looking to leave here, so don't put my name out there for any jobs or look for any opportunities. And it's clear that Kendall Bryles was not doing that by his shot, his name coming up for several jobs, whether it was as a candidate or a possible candidate, and of course, um, as maybe being the top target, as was reported with Mississippi State, Miami, and of course now at TCU. And, and that's a lot of noise. And you could shut that down as a coach yourself, one, by telling your agent, you know, listen, don't shop me around. And, uh, or secondly, once your name does get out there, you can quickly shut it down or see how serious it is and then quickly make a decision. And Kendall Browse just didn't do that since these last two opportunities, letting things drag on. And that, that hurts a program. It hurts to just the immediate future when you're trying to get things done in recruiting. And listen, I, I just think that it's the best thing for all parties involved that they just kind of moved on. It was very clear that Kendall Bryles just wasn't really ready to just commit to something, even if, you know, that we all get that, that I guess that, that, that we all like to be wanted, I guess. Um, and I guess Kendall Bryles just wanted to be wanted more than a lot of other coaches. Kendall Bryles leaves. Dan Enos comes into Arkansas. How do you see the move for Arkansas bringing in Dan Enos? I think it's fascinating because I'm just interested to see what his offense is going to look like, how much it's evolved and changed since the last time he was at Arkansas. And, of course, when he's worked with at Alabama and Miami, Cincinnati, and Maryland just in that time period. And, you know, you look at Maryland and you look at his time even at, at Alabama, the one thing that you always hear from people is just how great he is working with, with quarterbacks. And that's going to be tested here. And I think that if you're K.J. Jefferson – you're betting on him to be able to improve you, not necessarily with your numbers, but improve <clears throat> some of your fundamentals, some of your technique, and the things you need to do to be more noticed among the NFL circles. So uh, I, I, it's going to be fascinating to kind of see and hear about what he does in the spring, how the offense has changed, but also how much they're going to be leaning on him uh, to develop that quarterback spot, not just with KJ this year, but the guys behind him. There are some very talented players there. And I'll also say this, Dan Enos is a really good recruiter. I don't think that gets talked about enough, and I think he brings a little bit of a different dynamic there when they go on the road uh, to recruit, especially at the quarterback position. So we have Brandon Marceau of 24-7 Sports here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. Uh, Brandon, you mentioned Enos and uh, his recruiting ability and him coming back to Arkansas. It's not something that happens a whole lot often as far as uh, guys coming back, but there's obviously a connection there with uh, – Sam Pittman and Enos from when they both coached together here at 2015. But looking at the KJ angle, people have really loved KJ at Arkansas. They feel like he's one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. 
Uh, do you feel like just the type of thing that Dan Enos brings that maybe he can mold KJ into an even better quarterback considering his history of some of the great quarterbacks he's coached in college? Yeah, I'll say this. He must have, <clears throat> KJ is a pretty prolific passer when you look at his numbers, just his completion percentage, passer rating. Uh, and it kind of sneaks up on you. You're like, wow, I didn't realize he was that good this season. And what he adds to the, the offense and running the ball, he's able to take games over. Sometimes it's not enough, even when he puts that entire team on his back. But I think what you'll want to see from a Dan Enos offense is let's protect K.J. Jefferson a little bit better so that he's healthy and full speed throughout an entire season where he's not hobbled or his shoulder is bothering him in a couple of games. And I end up costing you maybe a loss or two on the schedule that it, you would not normally lose if, if K.J. was healthy. And how do you do that? You try to maybe make sure you do other things in the offense to where he doesn't feel like he has to pull the ball down and run it, whether it's in obviously in a scramble or obviously even in some designed run. So I think that's what's going to be the thing to watch with Dan Enos with KJ Jefferson. What stands out to you as far as some of the coaching moves that have been made in college football? Well, I, I kind of projected that going into this offseason that there would be a, a lot of turnover among assistant coaches, and we're seeing that right now. And I need to crunch all the numbers. I've been keeping up an Excel spreadsheet of every single move in the FBS. And a lot of movement. Also, coaching uh, coaches and assistant coaches, they're getting younger um, out there. You're seeing a lot of the older guard leaving the sport altogether or going to the NFL or getting fired and not resurfacing elsewhere. And you're seeing a lot of younger guys coming from the FCS level and even the high school level, and being bumped up to the FBS as position coaches. A lot of guys in their 20s and early 30s right now being hired across the sport. Um, it's really kind of remarkable seeing this little bit of a sea change. And then I think the biggest hire we've seen so far as far as assistant coaches has been TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley going to Clemson. Uh, I think that surprised everybody. Um, just the fact that Davo Sweeney fired one of his guys, Brandon Streeter, who was formerly in a, a receivers coach there for a little bit, and then just after one year as the OC, he fires him, and instead of promoting from within, which is what Davo has been doing for the last decade, he ends up going out and getting the hottest coordinator out there in Garrett Riley, and he comes into a spot where he's going to have more talent, more depth there than he had at TCU, and Garrett Riley's on a trajectory here that if somehow Clemson gets back into the playoff this season, and a lot of us can point to, well, it's because their offense improves dramatically. Um, well, this time next year, we'll be talking about Garrett Riley being a Power 5 head coach somewhere, I think. Yeah, it's funny that, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen in college football during the offseason, but you mentioned going into last year, you know, Georgia's won twice in a row now. Some people are probably going to think, hey, they may be a favorite to win three in a row. You mentioned Clemson. But as far as uh, maybe some other teams that are going to make the jump and get into the playoff, whether it's Alabama, whether it's Michigan-Ohio State, I know that one's always going to be a big thing. But uh, what are some teams that you think are going to be really the ones to watch for as far as getting into the college football playoff just based on some of the moves they made this offseason and what they have going into next year? Look, in the, look out west, the Pac-12. I'm telling you, the Pac-12 might end up being the second-best conference in college football next season. With all the returning stars they have a quarterback and some of the newcomers they got coming in from the transfer portal, I really like the teams being built at Washington and at USC, but especially Washington with all the pieces they've got coming back. Michael Penix was by far the best quarterback when it came to passer rating in the country this season. 
He's coming back absolutely prolific. And a lot of their pieces there, especially receiver, come back as well. And that defense improved as the season went along. And if they can just take like a step forward there, they're going to be a playoff team. They're, they were a 10-win team this year. I could see them winning 12, 13 games next year, maybe even getting to the national championship game. USC has the offensive skill, and they've been adding in the transfer portal and really trying to bulk up defensively. But my question about USC is, is that the trend under defensive coordinator Alex Grinch, whether it was at OU or now at USC, his team's fundamentals just seem to just go downhill as the season progresses. Broken tackles, missed tackles, missed assignments. And that's what's buried USC the past season. And it's what's buried OU in the playoffs when they went 0-4 in the Lincoln-Riley era there. So um, that, that is something to watch. They can get that fixed somehow. They've got the talent to be a playoff team. You know, elsewhere, um, you know, don't sleep on Ohio State just because they lose to C.J. Stroud. They've got a lot of returning talent there. Um, but I'm not quite sold on Alabama just immediately returning to the playoff this year after a quote-unquote down season. Replacing Bryce Young, a Heisman-winning trophy quarterback, I know everybody just thinks that Alabama reloads a quarterback, but you look at their roster right now at Jalen Milrow, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that right now. I, I, and the pieces they're missing, they got two superstars, and Will Anderson and Bryce Young leaving the same year might be the two best players in the NFL draft. I, I don't know how you replace that and seem to think that they're going to be better than they were this past season. I, I've got a lot of questions about the tide going into next year. Can Coach Prime and Colorado compete right away in the Pac-12? Yeah, I think they can get to a bowl game, certainly. And anything after that is just icing on the cake. Um, you know, he's taking the approach of we're going to get 20, maybe 30-plus players in the transfer portal uh, this offseason. Um, obviously, a lot of it's quantity, but there is a lot of quality in there, too. Um, they're in the top five in the 24-7 sports transfer portal rankings right now because of that quantity of players they're bringing in. Um but to think that he's going to be able to put that all together and automatically Colorado's going to be a force in the Pac-12, I think that's far-fetched. It'll take him a couple of years, maybe a few years, to get that thing going. But if he just continues kind of what he did with the trajectory at Jackson State, his name and the power that has on the recruiting trail, he's already getting four and five stars there. And if he could build on that by having a team that gets to a bowl game this season, I think that uh, – Things could get quite scary there in the Pac-12 for Colorado, say, in like year three of his tenure there. Brandon, can you explain to me what Ole Miss is doing with their quarterback situation where <laughs> you got Jackson Dart on the roster who played and started last year. They added Spencer Sanders, and they also added Walker Howard. Only one quarterback can play, right? What are they doing? Yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. I mean, you're not only recruiting quarterbacks out of the portal and going, hey, you're going to have to fight for the starting job but oh by the way it's a three-way battle not a two-way battle it makes it much more difficult um i i don't know maybe the collective there is just fantastic i also know that i don't believe spencer sanders was as in demand in the transfer portal as maybe a lot of us thought at first uh when he left oklahoma state and skipped their bowl game i do think there was some hesitation for some folks across the Power Five of bringing him in and saying, hey, you're going to be the starter or the guy to beat in spring practices. And I think that proved itself out here, as you've seen him today, including in an interview with 24-7 Sports today, 
of saying, yeah, I'm ready. I'll, I'll, I'll bet all the money on me in this three-way battle. I'm ready to battle. I'm, I believe in myself. Spencer Sanders can be really great at quarterback and has been in some games, but he is a roller coaster ride. He's had three games in the last two seasons where he's thrown three interceptions or more in a single game. And against Baylor alone in 2021, he threw one touchdown pass against seven interceptions just in those two games against Baylor. Uh, you know, listen, this is a guy that could give you some really high highs, but some also really low lows. 67 touchdown passes in his career, 40 interceptions, and he's also fumbled, fumbled the ball quite a bit. Um, but fascinating to watch what Ole Miss is going to do this spring. They obviously do not have a lot of confidence in Jackson Dart being that guy. And if you watch their offense this past season, they kind of took it out of Jackson Dart's hands quite a bit by leaning on Quinn John Jumpkins and that amazing run game they had. How active do you expect to see the transfer portal that's after spring practice? We know with the initial window, everybody seems to be getting in. They've adjusted to that. But now after spring practice, how active do you expect that to be? Not as active, obviously. I think we've seen the the biggest part of the storm. Um, I do think that there's some teams out there that were kind of waiting patiently, kind of in the shadows to kind of pick and choose who they would pick up out of the transfer portal. I think when you get out of the spring, you're going to see really more skill position guys that are very pretty much predetermined to be backups at their school right now at, after spring practice, going in the portal to places where they need a starter immediately or someone to battle and start start anew in a two-way battle, so to speak, at the quarterback spot. So there's some schools out there that are going to be looking for some quarterbacks like that, which could lead to maybe some surprising moves with heck. Even the whole miss. I mean, goodness gracious, he's got three quarterbacks on the roster now. Who's to say one of those guys don't just end up leaving or something like that? But having said that, a lot of teams out there still waiting in the wings to get like a quarterback, especially Florida in the SEC and also stay in the SEC, a place like Auburn where they feel comfortable with Robbie Ashford, but they really want to bring in someone else who could not only push him for the starting job, but likely win it. Well, Brandon, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Great insight and great stuff as always, dude. And uh, I know it's going to be a busy time continuing on in college football. Keep up the good work, man, and we'll catch up with you later down the road. All right. Thanks, guys.